Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 45 with my friend Joni. This was a real special treat. I met Joni when she was a contestant on America's Next Top Model, and I was working on the crew. Uh, a lot of you might not know that I did that for a while, so that's that's a fun fact right there from the beginning. So um, I'm going to let us jump right into the interview, but stick around after the interview for some more Q&A with Ask a Therapist, Jenny Helms, our licensed marriage and family therapist. And uh, from there, let's do this. Let's have fun. Let's listen to this episode. I hope you're having a great week so far. Here we go. My interview with Joni. Hi. Hi. <laughs> long time. I know, so long. Super like, long. <laughs> like 15 years long. Yeah. Right? That's funny. Um well Me. this is uh this is fun cuz I typically start out with how I know people. Um, okay. You you might be one of the more unique stories in that category. <laughs> Because uh, a lot of people don't even know that I worked on television shows for a couple oh. years. Um, and so I met you working on Top Model back in mm-hmm. like 05. <laughs> Is that right? 05? Five. Oh I worked on three seasons of that. So <laughs> it all runs together at some point. Um, but yeah, I met you on that. And we, I don't know, we you had to come back for random stuff and we were the PAs that <laughs> took care of you I guess that's right yeah oh god so random so random it's a different like it's funny I look at that time my time in Los Angeles is like a, a different lifetime <laughs> it's it's so it's such a strange thing to look back on I mean you know early 20s self-destructive behavior working yeah. working in Hollywood quote-unquote um so self-destructive love that self-destructive behavior no (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's and and i I got to know you a little bit and i can make some assumptions but i'm excited to to get to know you some more and if i'm not mistaken if i remember correctly you're from uh pennsylvania right yes sir i'm from western pennsylvania way way west almost to the ohio border are you pittsburgh Pittsburgh, yeah, about 30 miles. My uh, sister-in-law lives in Mount Lebo now. Lebanon? Yeah. Nice. That's fun. That's fine. Do you have any siblings? I do. I'm the oldest, so... Of how many? Well, that's a whole thing. We'll get into that. We're recording. (laughs) Yeah, we're always recording. Okay. (laughs) And then I cut out everything. Um, Uh, Yeah, I do. I have... Well, for me, it's like my siblings, there's... I have three sisters and a brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's the age range there between you and them? 38. Jennifer's 36. Then David's 30. Julie's 28. And Aaron's 26. So the last three, you definitely remember them being born, I'm guessing. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) I remember like holding my brother up on my hip and like picking him up out of his crib and stuff. It's just, it's weird. Like when there's, when you're 12 years old and you're like holding a baby, you're like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Totally remember all that <laughs> uh, mom and dad still together no my oh god justin we have so much to talk about <laughs> no. um, well no. yeah let's let's start you're born <laughs> um, okay. and you said is it a brother or a sister that's two years younger than you 
Jennifer is my sister, yeah. Your sister. So just you two for, what, six years? Yeah, well, my brother was born when I was nine, I think. Yeah, so what's that like? What's the household like that you can remember as a kid before your brother comes along? Mm, well, my parents divorced when I was, like, I think I, my sister was only a baby, maybe, like, one year old. And then, and so, so I was maybe three or four. So they, I was really young. Yeah, I was four. I know that business. <laughs> and it sucked because, you know, it's the 80s and it's just like, you yeah. know, I can... You know, I don't know. They they don't. You know what's funny? I feel like the court systems were different back then. Like you know, you look at it now, and it's like the dads have no rights. You know, it's always the mother. Yeah. But back, kind of listened to the dad, and they gave him a chance, and they, and they like you know, it was weird. It was it, it almost was like a financial thing back then. It was like who could take care of the kid better? Yeah. But, but they actually gave my dad um, shared custody, and so for like. Well, that didn't happen for a while. I take that back. So we stayed with our mother for a couple of years. And then my we, my dad had like visitations with like someone watching us. Like, oh, it, so it was, to... it was a bad situation. Here's the thing. It was completely fabricated by my mother. She's a terrible person. Okay. So she lied and told, well, she said that my sister said my dad touched her and he didn't. And but I think back in those days, this was in 84, 85, 86. This is the height of when child abduction was going crazy yeah, in the media. Stranger danger and absolutely stranger danger. Yeah. So everybody's on high alert. I think my mom interpreted something incorrectly, but then from her whatever the fuck she was thinking turned into like it really if bled down into onto us and created us you know to be the victim it's my sister and i like i she she's too young to remember but i remember everything i was you know a little girl and they would take me to doctors and have them check me and like you know have me play with dolls and and see if i had touched their private parts it was a mind fuck and it was totally like uncalled for and really unfortunate because you know no kid should have to go through that and think poorly of their father and have yeah. and outs and questions in their minds so i've never had a good relationship with with him because there was always this like stigma and like you know my mom didn't trust him and and but but he's never been convicted he, he didn't do it like it was just it was just a terrible misunderstanding and time and everything was terrible i personally feel like sometimes my mother made things up to try to get the upper hand on things yeah um, within like the court systems or whatever but um, there's no way to tell for sure. I, and I'm not going to have that conversation with her, but yeah. So after that, yeah. I mean, after a couple of years, you guys, it's split yeah, visitation shared. or shared mm -hmm. custody. Yeah. So we would switch, we would switch on Sunday nights and go to her house, his house, her house, his house for years until it was like, I think it was seven, 16 or 17. Oh, so they must, have they lived close together then you guys stayed in the same school and everything. Minutes yeah. okay. away. So, um, yeah. So I got to go. You know, I decided I wanted to live with my dad when I was like 16 because my mom just was always super, super poor and like welfare poor, like couldn't take care of us properly. And I knew that there was a load on her and she had the two younger ones, Dave and Julie. So I was just like, you know, I'm just going to live with my dad. It's fine. And then my dad decided when I was 16, he was going to become a preacher and move us all to Ohio. So. Oh. So I just moved to Ohio and Jennifer came with me. So we just completely left the state. Um, and my mom was okay with it, actually. It was like, whatever. So your and mom, she, did she get remarried and have the next two kids? 
She did. Okay. She got married when I was 10 uh, to my stepdad. Very short-lived. They only were married for a few years, and then Dave and Julie were born. And then, yeah. So and what, I, just... I mean, what's that household like growing up in? <laughs> what, like with my dad and my mom being single? Well, yeah, I mean, with your parents divorced and then your mom is remarrying it's, when you're 10. I mean, barely. It's completely different worlds because my mother, just, just, just envision this in your head. Close your eyes and envision a world <laughs> of cigarette smoke and redneck bonfires with Leonard Skinner and motorcycles in the background. That's my mother. Okay. okay? Cut off jean shorts, pig roasts, you know, swimming in the river, that kind of a life, you know? Yeah lice in our hair and no clean towels like living in squalor that's my mother um but you have my dad who's like works nine to five he's a glazer he's a hard-working man he goes to church my grandparents watched me when he worked like clean house like everything was nice you know middle class uh we got to go to vacations and stuff like that totally different life so imagine as a child going from this place to that place back to this place, back to that place, like where we were just like hungry. And then, then we just like, weren't allowed to do anything. It's yeah. just like such a crazy back and forth. What did that do to you as you got older, as far as your vision of like what a woman looked like and what you were <laughs> becoming when you <laughs> had your mom as that role model? Right. That she never has been, unfortunately. And I've tried in my mind to really kind of create something positive for her like she was so tough <laughs> she was so this or that like trying to create this thing and i do think honestly because she was so tough and i was i was always around tough things i was a tough person so being a carpenter now it doesn't seem that different that weird to me because i'm like a low maintenance you know back to my roots kind of makeup no makeup kind of girl like I don't mind getting dirty I'm just used to it I'm okay with it so at the end of the day I'm like I'm thankful for that life because you know I wasn't like this prim and proper like oh you know kind of girl I was I was a redneck you know I just kind of grew up like that and so I feel like not saying carpenters are rednecks but I have no problem as a girl like just getting dirty and just looking like very you know yeah. rough I'm working hard. So I don't know, maybe that's the positive I can take from that. Fair enough. Um, so what's your, when you move to Ohio, your, your teenage years, how, how are your teenage years shaping up to be? Crazy. So when I was living in Pennsylvania, um, so yeah, so my dad, super conservative guy, never let me wear like shorts. I'd put my arms down against my thighs. And if, if my shorts were above my fingers, I had to change. So it was that, that kind of life. Um, mom was pretty like similar to that, but, um, no boys liked me. I went to a huge high school, super nerdy, poor, was in band, glasses, like flat chested, didn't get good grades. Like everything was against me at that time. And I was just like, ugh, I hated high school so much. I'm so glad. And if any young people listen to this, please know <laughs> it gets better. Yeah. It gets so much better. Um, I hated it so much. It was like probably one of the worst experiences in my life, high school. Were you just, so, was it, was it bullying? Was it? Mm, there was bullying, but there was also just like, like 
that popular kid? Sit, who is, whose table are you sitting at? Are you getting invited to birthday parties? Do you yeah. have clothes to change into for gym class? A lot of nice- comparing and contrasting. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, people just judge you and it's just really unfair. Um, but when I moved to Ohio, I was a new kid. So then it was like attention was like, I was like, oh shit, people care. They're like, wow, boys want to talk to me. Like everything's different right now. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was 17. So I was like a little cuter, you know, and, and that just took completely spun me for a different loop. Cause I was like, I went to a super tiny high school. My graduating class had 63 people. What? Mm-hmm. I had like so 10 was, times. That. <laughs> exactly. That's what I came from down that's to crazy. that. I was like running for student council. I'm like, I'm going to do everything. And that's something I couldn't do, you know, in Pennsylvania. So yeah. Good. It was a good, it was a good change. I, I'm very happy that I moved with my father because I think I needed that, that boost to kind of like give me some confidence. So it ended on a high note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. Academically, was school good or bad? I've always, I've always been an arts, artsy fartsy. Same. The theater kid. I was an art. I loved art class. I'd stay afterwards and like hang out with the art teacher and like throw clay and like, you know, I was in band and choir. I was never like an academic, you know? Yeah. I, uh, school was all social for me. I did. I, my, my senior year, I think was like independent study art class, independent study media class. (laughs) Like, and I would just roam the halls with a video camera and make (laughs) random crap. Um, and and graduated with a 1.9. Uh, Oh, really? It's fine. I got, I got three, eight or higher in college the whole time. (laughs) I also waited like 12 years to go to college, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> like you said, it gets better. I should have uh, done. Yeah. Well, so what, what does that uh, segue into that? What, what do you do after high school? Do you immediately go yeah. to college? Yeah, you do the thing, right? You take the ACT, <laughs> you like crush your fingers and try to get into a school. Locally. Was that the expectation like set from your parents? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was like, what college are you trying to go to? And this and that. And I'm <laughs> I don't know, like we're poor, so I'm trying to get a state school and all that. And so I went to a small school called the University of Finley, Ohio, which is about seven miles from where my house was. It wasn't far, but it was an entire world away, right? Yeah. I lived in the dorms. It was amazing. I partied. Oh, my God. Yeah, what's it it like being out of, like, your parents' uh, eyes for (laughs) the first time? Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I partied as much as I possibly could. I mean, I was taking finals. It, I, I remember my freshman year, I was taking finals and like leaving to go barf and come back because I was so hungover. What, did you not do any of that in high school or anything? No, 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 no. Was that just... I couldn't, I couldn't get away with shit. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, that that leads me and these are all projecting questions. That's what I do. I compare my <laughs> life to other people's. Um, <laughs> so I'm guessing dad, especially if he became... Uh, pastor. Mm-hmm. He did not. He was not a drinker. <laughs> no, I've never seen the man ever, ever, ever take a drink ever. How about how about mom? Oh God, I had to I had to go hunt for her. Where's mom? Which bar is she at? Call Edgewater's. My mom there. Call Eastville. Is my mom there? Call. I can name you like ten bars. I've had to go hunt for that woman. So, do you think the 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 mom side of you came out when you got to college? Like you were able to. I, I don't know if it's necessarily like the, the mom side of yeah. me. I think it was 
depressed and really kind of just hated her life. So that was her escape. She was self-medicating. She became an alcoholic, unfortunately. And that was like, you know, my stepdad left and she had failed relationships and everything was just kind of terrible for her. Um, She had freaking four kids and it just really, really sucked. She, she always chased the wrong kind of guy too. And it was, you know, I see that now looking back at what she did, but I mean, I just wanted to party. I just like loved the attention. I started getting like, you know, more attention from boys and I was super horny. I mean, we all were like 20 years old. We're like, yeah. Believe me, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you just have a ton of fun in college. Yeah. Um, And then what, I mean, how long do you stay there until you're what, 22 and graduate or? No. Oh my God. So like I, like I said, academia wasn't like, (laughs) yeah. Um, I got discovered as a model, even back then when I was 21, my sophomore year of college. And I, it was like the day after two days after, uh, no, two days before, I'm sorry, nine 11 happened. I got like a contract to go model in New York. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. You know that. Oh, what is like, what is that like when you say discovered? I, I gotta, I gotta try oh. to put myself in the in the mind of like what you're walking around a mall or something, and someone goes, "I want to pay little, you to take pictures." Yeah. <laughs> and that's it's not. I mean, it's not really like that anymore because now everybody's an Instagram model. But like back in those days, like they had to pluck you from the fields of Iowa with your stringy hair and your long legs and take you to Chicago or the next biggest city. So is it always I, a woman doing that? No, sometimes it's men. I just feel um, like the, there's a creeper vibe there, right? Like some guy comes totally. up to me like, oh, I like your look. And he, you're like, you're 15 years older than me. I'm like, yeah, come to New York with me. <laughs> come to New York. <laughs> oh, I believe me, I've been to that a lot. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just went to like an event, actually. It was like kind of like, if you if you want to do some modeling, come to this event. And okay. Columbus. I like went down there. And so. Yeah. So you're doing, you start doing modeling. I did some modeling. So I went to New York my freshman year, my sophomore year in December. I ended up going down a couple months later and I actually stayed down on Orfino, Manhattan. Well, but I stayed down on Water Street, which is down off like Fulton and Water, which is way down in the financial district. Um, There's an NYU campus right there. And I would remember getting out and like I could look to the right and I saw the the scaffolding from the fallen buildings. I saw, not scaffolding, but I saw like the outer. Yeah. The remains. I saw that and I went, oh, my apartment's this way. That's crazy. That's how I knew where to go. Yeah. I actually got an infection in my eyes that was like really, really bad. Yeah. I couldn't wear my contacts from, from the, from the dust. Oh my God. Bad. So I had to like go to the eye doctor in New York and like get special drops and all this stuff. And I had to wear my glasses sometimes. And it was really, really, really crazy. I can only imagine like the, the influx. I mean, I know the first responders all have cancer and they're, yeah. or they're, you're dead but can you just imagine the people in and around that area who are oh, yeah. just as much to all that debris and all the problems that they're having now yeah I, that- I, that's immediately what i was thinking about um just jump completely off subject but <laughs> in, no, it's- uh, the explosion in lebanon you watch oh my God. you watch that footage and you're just like that is that's like six square miles <laughs> like just devastated and and the Dated. air there and like they're telling people you know don't breathe the air get out of that area it's uh and it, and lebanon's not a country you can just like go next door you know what yeah. i mean like, 
Especially when next door to Lebanon, they hate you. (laughs) Come on over, guys. Oh, I know. I feel terrible for those folks. It breaks my heart. Yeah, that footage is insane. Um, Anyway, back to you. (laughs) Uh, So so you're, you're modeling. When does the opportunity to come be on a reality television show visit you? Sure. So I was only in New York for a couple months and my dad's like, you better get your butt back to Ohio and go back to college. And I'm like, I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Actually, how does that work? Cause I mean, oh. the dad that doesn't want you to wear anything past your finger. Oh, he hates modeling. He hates the modeling. He doesn't want me to have any part of it. It's just, I don't even, he never really gave like a real reason. It was more or less like, Oh, this is not going to give you a good life. Yeah. You know, into college education and all this. Well, the last half of my sophomore year, I completely just said, whatever. And I got like a 1.8 GPA and a lot of incompletes. And I just dropped out. And I moved back to Pennsylvania and lived with my grandma. I got a job at American Eagle at the mall. I worked there for like two years. I was dating this really, really, really great guy. I was like on this like fast track to just like marrying him and like doing this whole thing. His brother was like, Joni, they're auditioning for America's Next Top Model down at this mall in Pittsburgh. You should totally go. And I'm like, that'd be awesome. Because I was modeling. I modeled locally in Pittsburgh. Just real small, small, small time stuff. And so because of that suggestion, I went to the mall and I, I auditioned and then like just just went on from there. And here I am. That's <laughs> That whole time, like, uh, I can't I can't even imagine just from my point of view, you know, working on the stuff, I think it's ridiculous because <laughs> uh, the casting part of cycle six was my first job. And then they did like the cycle five runway and I had to come and did that. But then, but just being at the Ritz Carlton in, was it Burbank or somewhere over there? Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, uh, this Beginning? is, yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm 21 just uh my girlfriend that i moved out to california with just moved back home and we broke up because like i don't know that didn't go well but (laughs) um and then my buddy works in production so he he says hey like i got a job that you can get because i before that all my jobs came from craigslist that's actually where i learned all my carpentry stuff is i got hired i got hired on a job guy was like i need an assistant i was like i don't know how to do anything he's like i'll teach you everything and he literally did he taught me how to tile drywall like everything i know how to do that's awesome it was great it's a skill that you know what a skill to have for the rest of your life i know i'm Um, telling you yeah but so i i go to the ritz carlton i give some random guy my name apparently i'm a production assistant i don't know what the fuck that means (laughs) and then my first job is to sit outside your guys' hotel rooms and make sure none of you leave your hotel rooms. And I just would sit in the hallway of the Ritz-Carlton from like 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. and make sure none of you guys left your rooms. And it was the weirdest fucking job I think I've ever had. <laughs> uh, and then obviously the, the show progressed onwards and at some point I had to like text my mother and be like i'm driving models around for a reality show this is fucking weird i live in a i live in a weird world but i gotta imagine your side of that world is even weirder so i don't want to like spend a bunch of time talking about it because i'm sure you've done that for fucking years yeah i know (laughs) um but i am curious like just the initial 
you know, being herded around like cattle on that show because you you weren't allowed to do anything outside of what they told you to do. No. And they you know, made us like the production assistants were the people that had to make sure you guys didn't stray. And then um, after that, like, was it in my mind? I, was, I mean, not stereotype, but like I'm a guy. I didn't really watch that show. So I, if I would have seen you on the streets, I'd have been like, I don't know who the fuck this is. But yeah. was it a big thing afterwards for you as well? Yeah. Yeah. Back, this was like in the era of like real world, you know, yeah. road yeah. rules, you know, all that kind of stuff was happening. All the reality shows were big. Um, like you remember all the ones on VH1, the one with like, uh, what's his name? The little black guy with the big clock. Flav of Flav. Flav. Excuse <laughs> me. Flav. Sorry, I don't remember your name. So funny. Um, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff was huge back then. And so people watched Top Model. I mean, like it was, people worshipped it. It was insane. Yeah. I remember even after, like during watching it, like after watching it air, I should say. Back then it was all about like the internet blogs. Like you'd go on and read about the show. And you could like chat with people and be like, oh yeah, Jade's crazy. And you there'd be pages on just Jade, just me just Danielle and I would just be like holy shit this is insane and I'd go on there and read stuff and it would be like you know some of it would be really mean like oh she's not cute and my mom would be like stop reading that and then she'd go read it and be like I heard this thing <laughs> no but I mean after it was done like I remember man if I could just like relish in this moment for a second I remember how like oh man People, okay. Remember, remember on VH1 they had the best week ever. Mm -hmm. I was introduced to that by my now wife, and I loved that show. <laughs> Such a great show. Some of the best comedians uh, were on that. Oh, absolutely! They had that show on. I remember my friend Bex, who was a huge fan of the show, reached out to me. I think through MySpace or something. Good old right? MySpace. It's uh, you would like code in your background. Yeah. Like, you like. The new coding all of a sudden you're like how do i know this um so <laughs> so she reached out she's like hey um you know i'd love to have you come to new york i can get you on best week ever i'm like let's go and i remember she called me a limousine and i'm driving through times square and i like stand up through the window i'm like yes yeah, fucking awesome and i look to the left and there's a top model billboard in times square and i was like oh shit this is the coolest thing i've ever experienced in my whole life like that moment right there was just like it could have been a movie. Yeah. It was the craziest shit. Put you up in a hotel. Like you get treated so well. It was like you were so cool. Nowadays, reality TV people are like, oh, honey, you're lucky if you can go like get a meal and like take Instagram pictures for it. I mean, yeah. Well, can you imagine like now with social media the way it is? <laughs> I can't imagine what it would be like. Oh, I would. I would be Logan Paul right now. I would be so. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for that at that experience, and it, and it still feeds my career to this day in in small ways. But like, damn, was that fun back in those days? Free shit, going to like the, the you go to the Emmy like gifting suite gifting suites and just walk in like you weren't even invited. They're just like, you want some free shit? And you're like, yes, I'll take that giant two hundred dollar hair straightener. Thank you. Absolutely, iPad, sure. Yeah, it was great. Um, but, how long do you stick with modeling after that show? Okay, so the whole modeling thing was super... It affected it in a really strange way. 
as far as like a like a like a buzz as, as as far as people are concerned, you were like great. But as soon as you got serious and you went and like tried to actually model, people could have cared less. Yeah. They didn't care. They're like, Oh, you're this girl from a reality show. You know, you're not a real model. So it was very strange because I moved to Los Angeles, crashed couches because I moved out there. Okay, so you helped me actually. Remember, I had to come out for like dentistry. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they kept doing my teeth several times. I flew out for like three, four days at a time and they would do a bunch of dentistry, fly me back out again a couple weeks later, do more stuff. Finally get all my teeth done. And while I'm at, this is again, you can keep this in, but it was terrible. I won't say, but this was the lowest of low on my end but you know what go for it girl opportunistic i don't give a shit make your dreams come true so so we go to this club and there's uh this guy there who's a photographer on the top model show i'm like oh my gosh and he's got a buddy with him so i start hanging out i start chatting up the buddy right i mean and i'm like i don't know what was going on i was just kind of just like really like putting it on you know Get his number, all that. Do, 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 do. Fast forward. Me, I'm just like, hmm, how can I make this work out to my advantage? I want to move to Los Angeles. So I like. I feel like just, I know where this is going. I started chatting this guy up. He's like, why don't you move out here and stay with me? And I'm like, okay. So I did. And I stayed with him for like, I don't know, six months or something. A long, long time. And um, yeah, it was it was crazy, and then and then that didn't work out. So then I crashed couches a little bit, and then my Los Angeles story is so insane. It's insane. Okay, really quick recap. Yeah. Totally stay with this dude. Didn't work out. Crash couches. Stay with Charlie, who was our um, costume designer on America's Next Top Model. Okay. He actually slept on the couch so I could sleep in his bed. I stayed there for like maybe two weeks, and he's like, girl, you got to go. And I'm like, oh, my God, where am I going to go now? <laughs> so I reach out to Lisa D'Amato and I, on, on MySpace, and I'm like, hey, girl, like, I just want to like meet up with you. So we went to a – we met up at a club, and we danced on top of like these – it was a gay bar. These boxes, and we're just like having the best time ever. And I'm, she's like, you should just come stay with me. I'm like, cool. And so she only had a one bedroom. So I slept on her couch for like two years and we were roommates. Dang. And it was the craziest thing ever. I would walk down to this bar on Cahuenga I worked at called the Burgundy Room. And I worked there for, as a bar back. I actually wore a – this is a crazy story. I wanted to work at this bar so bad. And I would go in there and have drinks from time to time. And I kind of got the vibe. I knew who the owner was. And I'm like, okay. Again, this could have been out of a movie. I like wore a black wig and tons of makeup and I went in there and I'm like, can I speak to the owner? And I'm like, hey, I would like to work here, like looking all like dark and like ghetto or like, you know, like gothic or whatever. Not ghetto, gothic. And I'm like, hey, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, you know, we don't need a bartender right now, but I can start you out as a bar back. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then so I show up for work and I'm like blonde. I'm like, hey, it's me. <laughs> Hey guys, it's me, Joni. He's like, what? <laughs> Anyways, so I bar back to the burgundy room and I'm talking like buckets of ice and cleaning up beer bottles and cleaning up the bathroom, like the whole thing until finally they let me bartend. And um, the, the DJ there, really great guy, 
really, really freaking awesome dude was like, like he was like a hippie. He was like, he could have been from the sixties and then be brought to our current times. He was that person. He was like, he could have been a guru or something. He was like, Hey Joni. Oh my God. Are you cool girl? Like, do you need anything? Hey, I have an old car. Do you want this old car of mine? I'm like, yes, I will definitely take your old car. <laughs> He's like, cool. There's like 10 parking tickets on it. You just got to pay those first. <laughs> That's the price of the car. Pay the parking tickets. It cost me, I don't know, 700 bucks to pay these tickets off for him. And I drove that little shit beater 1986 Volvo 740 around Los Angeles for like three years. Um, Just making it happen. Living the dream. I worked at a boutique on Melrose. I modeled. I did my thing. And then I was in a super abusive relationship with a guy who lived in my building amazing sex but really a terrible relationship abusive bad yeah the only way to escape from this fucking guy was my agency was like you ever want to go international i'm like yeah how do i do that like well we can get we can send you to a country where you want to go i'm like anywhere how about china let's go and literally i got my papers all sorted had my passport and everything. I already had that from Top Model, and they sent me to China, and that's the only way I escaped that relationship. Jeez. He had everything. He had everything under control. He controlled. I didn't have any friends anymore. He paid all my bills. He was, like, completely controlling of me. It was the worst relationship I've ever been in in my life. I wish I could blast his name right now, but I just, I'm not that type of person. Do you have any, just on that note, like, any... Advice. lessons advice that you could share with anyone that might be in like a gaslighting abusive relationship oh my gosh <laughs> if anybody male or female is in a relationship where yeah you're constantly gaslighted you're constantly told that you know you're a whore no one's gonna like you you know you're you're garbage you're this and you're that and then they turn around and just like tell you that they're sorry and it's just like back and forth and back and forth those people have something wrong inside their brains they're hurting something's not right and you and like me i want to fix people right so you say have a way don't let that don't always go over there don't let people your friends fade you know keep that person at a distance realize there's something wrong i think nowadays it's a little bit different now um uh, I, I don't know why I feel like 15 years ago, it's just like, there was no way to, I don't know. I feel like people are louder now when it comes to like, Hey, I need help friend. Someone's like, I'm there for you. Nowadays. It's like, I'm there. Yeah. But I back, like to, I mean, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. But now, back then I'm like, no one came to help me. No one was like, knock, knock, knock. You leave her alone. You motherfucker. Yeah. She's going to stay with me for a while now. Fuck you. Like that didn't happen. It was always like, I'm not going to get involved in her business. Mm. But be there for your friends. If they reach out for help, be there. Go. Help them. Get them out of the situation. It's okay to help out. To help out. I know people are like, oh, but what if they want to stay with me for like three months and they have nowhere to go? I, that can happen too. But you know what you do? You help that girl or that guy save money. Maybe you hold it for them in their bank account until they can get to a place where they're ready to go and you help them go because – I mean, this is really crazy, but like maybe about three years ago, I get a crazy Instagram message from a girl who's like, hey, I'm dating this guy. He says he dated you. 
he's crazy. He's beating me. I don't want, I don't know what to do. I want to take him to court and get a restraining order. Same guy. He's doing this to multiple girls. Yeah. Once a predator, always a predator until you figure shit out. Mm -hmm. I went to court with her so he could see my face. Wow. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Help friends be there for them. I mean, Honestly, I had a, I had an out, and I'm glad I had that. But a lot of women don't have an out, and they're too scared to leave. And women do not have a baby with that man. Protect yourself. Take t- twice the birth control. Get your shit tied. Whatever you gotta do, sneak away to Planned Parenthood. Do not have a baby. You have a baby with that man. It's like 20 million times harder to leave. How old are you at this point? 26. Because I moved. I was top model. I was 24. Just turned 25. And then I moved to Los Angeles in May. Yeah, so it was 26. Jeez. Yeah. But then, I mean, I was, after I was international for a while, I came back to, a U- to the U.S. Um, the next year, I'd gone to a couple countries and done some modeling, and it was great. I just, like, moved on. It was really awesome and cathartic, and I just had a great time and found myself again. Um, I actually found like a Deepak Chopper book, which today I would kind of maybe turn my nose up at because I'm like, we don't need this kind of hippie shit. But at at that moment in my life, it helped me so much. It was the seven spiritual laws of success. And I found it randomly at like a dumpster, like kind of yard sale. And um, I read it when I was in Asia and I was just like, I cried and I bought, I would buy copies and give it to people. Like it helped me so much. Yeah. You never know like what's going to help you in life to move on and get to the next place but um anyways so that was a huge part of like growing and changing and and and, like experiencing something but then after that was over and I came back to U.S. I had this really crazy change happen where I was just like I met I met like two people I met this one guy who was like in theater and he was like you should meet this person he he does home improvement television and I'm like cool and all of a sudden like this guy's making a video of me like building something. And then he shows it to the DIY network and they're like, let's bring her in for an audition. And then I, all of a sudden I'm on, I'm on home improvement TV. Like it just was like, boom, boom, boom. And that was it. When did you know in that transition that you're like, I'm I'm done with modeling. I'm doing this now. (laughs) I knew modeling. So when I was in Milan, I remember, um, like that was the last city I was in, and I lived in, in a model apartment with eight other girls. It was Ugh. huge. It was bad. It was <laughs> bunk bed, the bunk bed situation. Half of them didn't speak English. They were young. There was like a seventeen-year-old girl and nineteen and twenty, and I'm twenty-seven or twenty-eight or something. I was older. Maybe I was twenty-eight. And um, the one girl would call me grandma, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. But they all, I was glad I was there because a lot of them were so young and they didn't speak a lot of English. And like the Italian older guys would just take full advantage of them. They'd take them shopping. Yeah. These girls are poor. They're from like, you know, North, or they're from East Europe, you know, countries. And they're just, they're, they're so stoked. And I'd be like, nope, nope, we're not doing that. Nope. She's coming home with me. All right, guys. Thanks. I would like try to kind of, and I'm like, this is not, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done doing this. There was a girl in front of me in a runway show who was 14 and she was like six foot tall from Brazil. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. She's half my age. And so when I, when I came back and I did a couple of sh- like did that whole thing, I was like, this is it. I'm done. This is awesome. I love this. 
I'm having so much fun. It's something I can like get into and like really push my career and go, you know, yeah. into a new chapter. So. And that's what happened. Um, and that's- so what was the, what was the show that you got on DIY? It was called run my renovation. And it was kind of a show where like America voted on like, you know, you, they'd post online. Do you want them to have this kind of flooring or this kind of flooring? Okay. Or this kind of paint or this kind of paint? And, you know, behind, you know, production, but they, <laughs> they didn't really, they just already picked it, yeah. you know? If yeah. only people really understood the magic of television. Oh my God. Um, ruin it for so many people. Yeah. It, it's ruined for me. I watch shows now and I'm like, boy, they're overlit. Yeah. When do you, <laughs> or I guess, when do they relaunch Trading Spaces? Because yeah, I loved so, that show when I was younger. Dude, I watched it in high school. It was such a great show. Um, they brought it back a couple years ago, and they started auditioning for it. And I had set in like a reel or like a video or something, and then they wanted me to come in for a live audition with um, Paige Davis. It was like me and two other guys. And so we all went in, and we like shot a fake scene where we were talking about what we could build and all that. And... Um, I felt really good after that after that inter, um, audition. I felt really, really good. And when I got it, I was just like, this is fucking surreal. I was like, I used to watch this show on TV when I was in high school. I can't believe it. And um, when they brought it back, I thought it was going to be like so big. Like, you know, Trading Spaces, it's such a big show. Everybody loved it. But the ratings were terrible. Yeah. The ratings were really bad. And uh, they, went, they went ahead and renewed it for a second season. And that second season just flopped. I think I think personally they were on the wrong network, and also they should have revamped the idea. Nobody wants to see shitty, crazy circus house rooms for two thousand dollars. No one's going to do that. They yeah. want to see like really pretty, like Joanna Gaines type shit. And the designers on that show are not there to do that. They're there to ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it was really a great experience. And you know, like what can you? You just got to go for it and be like, sweet. Did you, I know you said you kind of had that growing up a little, but how much of that did you have to learn as far as the carpentry and all that stuff over the, you know, the last 10 years? Like how much of that did you? Um, so when I joined the crew on Run My Renovation, I, um, they actually sent me out ahead of time. It was all shot in Knoxville, Tennessee, the entire show. So I had to fly back and forth all every other week. It was insane. Um, but I, they flew me out two weeks early to join the crew, the guy, the carpenter, the main contractor who was going to be in charge to just work with him for two weeks. That's cool. I mean, it was like up every morning, like doing everything. And he would say like, he was a great, he's an angel. He's an absolute angel, patient, lovely, lovely man. I love him to death. His name is Jim. And I just think he's an angel. And he taught me so much stuff. And he also treated me. Like one of the crew, he'd be like, all right, you're going to go underneath the porch. You're going to climb under there. You're going to do this and that with the duct work and blah, blah, blah. And here's this. Okay. Now you can use a table saw. You're going to go like this and don't do that and blah, blah, blah. Okay. We're going to build this. Come outside. It's like 20 degrees. You're, okay. We're going to put this together. We're going to do this countersink, all these holes in the plywood, and do all this, blah, blah, blah. And then on like the third or fourth season of the show, they hired this cabinet maker named Sam. And Sam was a genius, and he was so kind and so awesome. Again, another patient, wonderful man. And he would just, he taught me so much about like actual, you know, 
cabinet making and building the furniture and all that kind of stuff. So I had four years of just wonderful instruction. Yeah. I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful. As, as you had mentioned, like it's just one of the best skills that you can have for, for your life. Yeah. And I've just tried to keep going with that because I really see the value in it and I love it a lot. I do like to work alone independently and so it's really fun for me but it's so awesome and i want to like now i'm like okay i want more people to know about it i want to teach young people women whoever wants to learn like let's let's all learn this because if you can be a valuable member of society you know in that way especially in covid times like people you know yeah. it's like you got to have something to, to fall back on you know yeah i renovated my brother's rental property in april because <laughs> i was like <laughs> what the hell else am i gonna do and uh that's awesome. Yeah. I was like, I was like I'll, I'll do it. You can pay me this much. And he's like, I'll pay you that. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll do it. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the amount of money I, you know, you just did some stuff in your kitchen. I think if I was following that correctly, but like the amount of money you can save on home renovations, if you know how to do that shit yourself, is it's ridiculous. Insane. It's just for cost, yeah. just for the, the product. Yeah. And even then you can find like, if you, you know, you've been in, you've been knowing people for a while, you know, this guy will give you a deal. You'll get a deal here. You know a guy here. Yeah. I mean. Oh, I got a tile guy. I got a tile guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna shift the shift the lens, so to speak. Um, and you talked about this on your podcast. You mentioned uh the struggle you had with anxiety and depression. And oh yeah. I wanted to brush on that just a little, um, especially knowing what I know now from the last hour of talking to you, <laughs> like. Uh, I think how early do you think like looking back and maybe after going to therapy and stuff, like how early can you remember signs that you were being affected by that? Mm, I mean, I think we all have some sort of trauma from our chat, from our childhood. Right. And I think that that trauma, once you, once you recognize it and you, you kind of, you know, label it and you're like, Hmm. Maybe that could have been what kind of started me down this path or yeah. made me feel that way about men or made me made me un- maybe not appreciate this or whatever it may be. I think we have trauma from our past, whether it be, you know, sexual or just like not being taken care of as a child or, you know, there's just so many things that I think I lived through all of those things, you know, b- I felt like I was neglected. I was, um, I didn't have good role models. I was, I, I'm a, I'm not religious at all. And I feel like shoved down your throat and judged and like told that you're wrong. And that fear, that indoctrination that messes with children's heads. Um, I am not a fan of that. I think that also had a big effect on me. Um, you know, it messed with me bad, like really, really, really bad where I was just like, I don't believe in God. Am I going to go to hell for thinking I don't believe in God? Oh my gosh. This is so, and I mean, it was like a mind fuck. Like spiral. Viral. It was absolutely terrible kind of coming to that realization and dealing with those issues. So I think probably when I was like maybe 18, when I was 16 or 17, I was like, Hmm, I don't think this is real. And then when I went to college, I went to a Christian college and I actually took a religion class. And they, they were teaching us about like Shiva 
and um, this god, this god also was born on the 25th day of December, and he he was risen from the dead after three days, and I'm like, oh, like more people did this? I'm like, this is weird. And so it just made me question everything, and I think like it just really, 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 really messed me up. And then um, having to hide that from my family, my feelings and my my thoughts, which I still haven't told them about how I feel about all that. Um, you know, that's also another thing because now you're acting like a totally different person. So I think it messed me up. I started feeling like depressed and and separate from myself and all that probably when I was like eighteen. But then also with the neglect as a child and like, you know, you kind of, you act out and you don't know if me acting out sexually or acting out, I wasn't really like bad. I didn't get like arrested or anything like that. I didn't like do any crime or anything, but, um, I was always like in the arms of the wrong guy. I was like a common theme for me, or I was always chasing the bad boy or I just, was only going where the sex was good. It was just, it was just not, I was never in a healthy relationship. Um, and I think, I don't know if that was just because like I wanted attention or I don't, I really haven't really sorted that out. Like why I was always that doing that. Um, I mean, a lot of people go where the sex is good. Let's be honest. You know, we don't always try to date like the nice guy or the nice girl. We always are like, mm, she's fun. I'll just date her for a while. Um, and then you try to force a, a fart that you know is shit, and you just keep trying to do it anyways. That's know? the best phrase I think I might have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this guy, I'm going to date him. And then he's like, I'm cheating on you. I'm like, I don't care. I don't respect yep. myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't respect myself. <laughs> so, I mean, anyway. discovering that, addressing that. So, that's Addressing that, but I, I mean... I didn't really come to terms with it until a few years ago when I was like, I was just like, I am miserable. I'm miserable. I don't, and I'm, and I'm, I don't know why I'm married. Like I have a great life. Like I have a fun life. I got good friends. You know, I don't I'm not struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm in a different place now. I don't have to see my family, but I'm fucking miserable. And I'm like, why am I miserable? I should be happy. I should be like totally happy. And then there would be moments like I wouldn't call anybody. I wouldn't pick up the phone. I wouldn't text people back. Um, I don't even re really re remember my social media, what I was even sharing back then. This is before Trading Spaces too. And even during Trading Spaces and like in between seasons, I would be in such a low place. I just wanted to die. I would like get on the airplane and be like, I hope it fucking crashes. I just don't even want to deal anymore. I'm just like, I'm over it. It's all, I'm just so over it. I just, I'm just, I hate everything. It's just the worst. I don't care. Was um, that affecting your marriage at the time too? Oh, I've been having problems in my marriage for, since we've been married. It's, it's only because it's, it's, it's me. I know, I know he and I have a lot of differences as far as like what connects us and we you know, you know, what attracts me to him and what, how he pleases me and how I can be that person for him and all that kind of stuff. We don't connect in all of the ways that we need to connect, um, in those ways, but like friendship wise and like partnership wise, we are an unbreakable bond yeah. when you're not getting the sexual part of your relationship and it's not, it's not filling the voids. Like it's not f connecting all the dots. 
um, I thought everything was wrong. I thought everything was me. Like my thyroid's off. My hormones are off. What's wrong with me? I feel unattractive. I'm just going to stop working out. Now I gained 20 pounds. Oh, now I'm really unattractive. Now I hate my body. Now it's just like, and I just wondered like, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't he want me? Like, what's like, you know, you just get in your own head and you think something's wrong with you. And then I realized, Joni, you're depressed. You actually are really fucking depressed. And there's a lot you need to start talking about and get out. So finally found a therapist and I started talking to her and she was wonderful. She was wonderful. Um, it's really unfortunate that a lot of insurances don't cover insur- health, um, you know, things like this. It should be like one of them things everybody goes to every week. Everyone, yeah. everyone be a fucking therapist. I fucking love therapy. <laughs> right. And she was only cash. So I saw her for as long as I could, but I was like, I can't see you any longer. Like it's expensive, you know? So, um, I found a lady that was with my insurance she was okay, but then I found out she was trying to commit insurance fraud with my insurance. It was this whole thing. Don't get me started. Um, but with her, but I will say the one good thing about that woman is that she did um, EMDR with me. And I don't know if you've ever done EMDR. No, what is that? It's um, and I don't recall the um, acronym right now. But what it is is like, um, you can do it. So you can do it with light flashing, or you can do it with like buzzing little like nubbies that you hold in your hand and i did it with the the the, the feeling oh i think so, i've heard of this yeah yeah so like you she'll kind of ask you a ton of questions and then she'll kind of she was so amazing she'd be like okay let's focus on this think about that only thing in your head and then you feel like you cut shut your eyes and you just feel like buzz 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 and you think about that one thing and then all of a sudden something will pop in your head where you're just like i hate my life like i hate myself and then she'll be like what are you thinking you'd be like i hate myself Think about that. Buzz, 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 buzz. I'm mad at my mother. Think about that. Buzz, 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 buzz. You go through these things and then like you'd get down. You would like dig through. It would just, all these things would pop out. I'd just start crying. Um, You know, it was just like, it's like uncontrollable. I almost wanted to throw up one time. It was just like this really crazy thing. And then at the end, she would be like, now bottle all those things up and the vibrations would change. It'd be long vibrations. Buzz 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 and she'd do them for like 20 seconds each time you know 30 seconds something like that and then after a few sessions of that i mean i worked through a lot of shit it was really crazy yeah i don't know what the science is behind it but it really did a really great thing for me um but therapy just saying stuff out loud and having having somebody that knows what they're talking about say hey have you ever thought about it like this we need to hear that people need to hear that because um it, it it finally coaxed me into getting on an antidepressant and I'm glad that I did because I really, really needed to be there. I no. wasn't, I wasn't going to kill myself. I don't think I had the guts to do that, but there's been moments when I just wanted to die. I just thought if I just wasn't around, then it wouldn't be a big deal because I wouldn't be in pain anymore. And if I, you know, if I just died in some car crash or something, then, you know, it would be sad for a while, but then it would be over. You know what I mean? Like, I would rationalize these things in my head. Um, but, you know, that's really messed up. And I knew that that, like, being in that way and thinking in those ways was really, really, really bad. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I, you know, started taking medicine. It's weird. People, like, ask me, what does it feel like? You know, well, number one, okay, let's just put it this way. I would lay in bed. And my brain would spiral out of control. I would start thinking about like, 
my nieces who were like four and five. And then all of a sudden how they're with their dad and their dad isn't buckling them under their car seats. Right. And now they're flying through the windshield and they're dying and everything's bad. And then like, I just, you know, I mean, it would just be like these terrible, so terrible thoughts. I'm like, I couldn't sleep. Yeah. I just think about these terrible things. So that doesn't happen anymore. I can't explain it. That just, you don't, you don't think about you don't bad create things. those like nightmare scenarios. No more nightmare scenarios, which yeah. was great. Um, and you kind of just, you know, I don't know, just kind of, I guess it does increase your serotonin. You're just in a better mood. And that's kind of what you need, what I needed. I just needed to be in a better mood. Yeah. Uh, but kind of getting us to present, I mean, you've been quarantined for a while. You're, what are you working on right now? Uh, currently, uh, I'm just working on, like, I'm be I'm being commissioned to make random things like cabinets and baby toys and outdoor furniture and handyman's work. I mean, I'm, I'm building hand, like I built a handicap ramp. I'm going to be cleaning a deck. I'm going to make a, a, sh a floating shelf for somebody. I just wrapped up a, a cubby built in and a, and a kitchen cabinet, just like random things. I'm just, you know, and I think what it is is people are home and they're like, Hmm. I want to do this with my house or I need this and I need to change this. And I'm here. I can, I can be here when the guy comes to build it. And it's like helped my business out a lot because, you know, people are around and they're not spending money on going out to eat. They want to spend money on their house. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Um, but yeah, I've been busier with that. And, you know, I still, I still want to do TV, you know, I don't even know if it'll really ever make a full comeback. I'm sure it will one day, but like, yeah, I'm running out of shows to watch. I know. I feel like it's got to. Like we need, we need entertainment, but it's just gonna change. You know. I know they're they're already shooting. Like my friend, my camera operator friends are already shooting again. So that's a good sign. Yeah. And I'm auditioning for things, but it's just they've been pushed back. You know. Yeah. But it's cool you found yourself in the in the carpentry and and HGTV realm, and that, that's that's what a uh, what a fun transition from where it all started. Right, it's a super fun transition. I really like it. Yeah, but that's that's all I got. End ending on a high note. <laughs> yeah, on a high note, you know, get into a new hobby. Do do what you need to do. Watch YouTube videos. Buy a couple used tools. Have fun. Get out there if you want to do carpentry. It's easy. Anybody can do it. If I yeah. can do it. People like my wife need to follow you on Instagram because she asked me this year finally because she follows everybody that does like home stuff and build stuff and she's constantly buying stuff from like Etsy stores and she's like, I want to learn how to make some of this stuff. I was like, I can teach you. I've yeah. been waiting for you to say that for years. That's so awesome. So yeah, if you want to learn stuff, are you still doing some instructional crap in your stories and everything? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'll, I'll do some stories where I'll just randomly start teaching stuff and then I put it on a highlight so it's on my page and you can go back and watch it. Um, but if you ever have a question, I answer everybody's messages. So just send me a message on Instagram. You can send me a picture of something you're working on and I'll mm. give you some advice. And It's true. I was surprised I got a response. I wasn't sure if you had crazy oh. full inbox. No, not, not in a <laughs> personal way like, oh, Joni fucking hates me. But uh, I, no. I, know, I know people with crowded instagram inboxes and no i, I literally right now i have two messages in my instagram oh good for you <laughs> rub it in Joni. i don't have it i have zero <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good but, it's great all right well it was super awesome seeing you and talking to you again 
Yeah, it was great talking to you. Yeah. What a random conversation, but um, hopefully it wasn't too dark or weird or anything. Not at all. Not at all. It's great catching up with you. I'm always around during this quarantine if you want to talk at all. And yeah. keep making projects. I'll keep following them. I would love that. I would actually like to have you on my podcast and we can actually talk about all the secrets of production. Oh, we can do plenty of that. Welcome back, Jenny. Uh, thanks for joining us for more questions from our listeners. And we have we have a lot of questions about kind of you, you're, not you specifically, but your job as a therapist and um, some of the goals people have questions about when they're going to therapy or if they're thinking about going to therapy, how they're going to achieve those goals. Um, that was something I kind of struggled with too, getting into therapy. I feel like if you have maybe some shame behind what you know is an issue and you don't want to like talk about it because you get the questionnaire when you're seeing a therapist for the first time and you're filling out everything and it might be like, what's the specific reason you're here? And if there's something you're maybe embarrassed or ashamed of, you might not write it down right away and it might take a couple sessions to uncover that personal experience. But um, for other people, um, Alex asks, I'd like to know how long the average amount of time is for patients to actually feel comfortable enough to be completely honest with them. Mm. You know, again, it, it's going to vary person to person, but I think I'm going to generally say like a healthy amount of time would probably be about four to eight weeks. Okay. Um, because sometimes to me too, not, I mean, it's typically either somebody has a therapy background previously, so they're kind of used to the process yeah. or they might struggle with like what we would call like early vulnerability where they will tell people things that maybe the other person hasn't really even earned the trust yet to know. Um, so I always take that like as like a, like I'll take a mental note of that too, just depending on if they have like a therapy background or not, because I know that for me, um, <laughs> even in my own therapy sessions, like if I go to a new therapist, which I've moved four different States yeah. in the last like, <laughs> 10 years. So it just, in that process, I've, I've had new therapist. And I think, um, my first session, I was probably like, you know, totally ready. And I would just talk about different things, yeah. but I think that's going to depend on the person. And if they have trauma around trusting people, right? Like, I think it's going to take time. And sometimes, you know, even, even if, if, you think you you trust people and you think you're ready to talk about things. Sometimes our brain doesn't really allow us to dig deeper into stuff until we're there. Yeah. And even in my own journey, I've learned how like I'll think one thing is the problem, but then as I get deeper into it, then I'm able to actually come to terms with something and talk about it with my therapist and, and honestly talk about it with myself. Um, because they're just things that will come up that you're like, Oh, yeah. That was something that, you know, I didn't quite realize was what it was. Yeah. Um, well, that's like we discussed yeah, that, yeah. in our ACEs episode. Like when I went to therapy, I was like a score of four. And then after after a couple of years of therapy, I was like, oh, wait, no, it's I guess it's six. So, <laughs> yeah, stuff exactly. that I wasn't even really ready to talk about with myself, let alone someone else. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember, I think even for me, when I first was talking about childhood, I was like, yeah, it was like normal. <laughs> and then it was interesting how like layers would unravel and they're like, mm, 
Yeah. This is not normal. And this makes, you know, and not in, not in a weird, shameful way, but just for me to actually come to terms with things and not like I was overly like, yeah, I'm just messed up. Like that was my perspective, right? It was just me. Yeah. And so I didn't understand that I didn't grow up in a vacuum and that there was so much context to why the ways that I had learned how to respond and survive certain things made sense in context. Yeah. Um, this, the other question I was going to ask kind of ties directly into this and I think is really important in addressing and I've dealt with it with some of my friends and myself. So before I ask the question, just some background for myself too. I went to, um, I went to one therapist when I was like, Justin, you have an issue. You need to like talk to someone about it. That's not like someone professional. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and the first therapist I went to where I just like went on the insurance website and looked at the providers and was like, this person's like nearby. Um, it was this like 60, 70 year old lady. <laughs> and, uh, I found myself just not being honest with her because uh, like not to be grotesque or anything, but you know, like, I don't know if I can be honest with someone I can't like say cock to. <laughs> like it's, if I have to be able to like, you know, if I'm going to say fuck or something, I don't want to be able to, I don't want to constantly think I have to censor myself. Um, Cause that right. seems super counterproductive uh, to therapy. Right. And yeah. so then I abandoned her. <laughs> I just stopped going, uh, which I'm sure you have stories of. And then I, when I looked a second time, I sought out a, uh, someone who is female and someone who is closer to my age. Cause that was who I knew I would be more comfortable talking to. I know I have issues with my father and like talking to men, I would probably again, censor myself no matter who the guy was. And I knew if mm. it was someone too old, I would, I wouldn't censor myself. If it was someone too young. I might not have the same like amount of respect or expectations. So like mm -hmm. I knew what I was looking for based on what I was comfortable talking about or who I was comfortable talking with. And I've recommended that same advice to a lot of people. A friend of mine just recently told me he just started lying to his therapist to end <laughs> his going to therapy, which again, counter oh, counterintuitive, man. but yeah, that, sure. that kind of a, a brings me to the same advice I was giving to someone who asked this question. Uh, and Amanda asks, what's the best way to find a therapist? Um, if and, and I'll phrase this exactly because I love how it's phrased. If your crippling anxiety prevents you from even starting a search because you're afraid you'll end up with someone who doesn't agree with your worldview, like if I ended up with a conservative Christian therapist or something, uh, which is funny because I go to a technically a Christian therapy practice and I'm not religious at all. And my therapist knows that. And we never like talk about Jesus or anything because that would not go well for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's Amanda's question. And it kind of goes along the same stuff that I was just talking about. So I wanted to get from your per professional point of view um, and some of the other questions on here. I mean, do you have patients where you're like, I don't, this isn't the right patient for me. <laughs> like, how do you gauge that relationship and how do you make that person feel comfortable in coming to you for the first time and really like seeing if this is a good working relationship between a therapist and a client? Yeah, that, those are some great questions. <laughs> first things first, I would recommend that people, when they're doing their search, um, sometimes it's helpful to ask other people, but you never know like what their preference is versus yours. Um, psychology Today 
can be kind of helpful because you actually get to read the bios and see what people specialize in. Yeah. And I always tell people, look, so you have this limitation, which is great, where you can only choose three top specialties. Because what some people will do is they say they specialize in everything, yeah. right? And you're just like, well, that's super confusing, <laughs> right? So for me, it's more about like, first find out who actually specializes in the issues you're wanting to deal with, or it's somewhat related to the issues you're wanting to deal with. And then go read their bios and check out their website and see like if their voice resonates with you in writing, then it might be somebody worth calling. And I mean, again, it's still going to be vulnerable. It's still going to be that like, hey, this is a, a process of us both figuring out, is this a good fit or not? Yeah. Um, and I always tell people, I'm like, I'm good. If I'm a great fit, great. But if not, that's okay too. Just like, let me know. Because I think you also get that sense too over time. If it's not a good fit, it doesn't feel good for the therapist either. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not what I, I don't want something that doesn't work or isn't meshing for some reason either. Um, now, as far as like, it's really interesting because I haven't really seen, like, there's not like a specific type of person that I wouldn't work with. Like my, um, actually one of my clients I saw this morning, which typically I don't see clients on Fridays, but we rescheduled but um anyway i digress they're in their 60s and it's a male yeah. and and he is like you know one of those people that i think especially some of the high performing males like they just don't they're kind of weird about therapy to begin with like usually they'll do coaching well that, well, <laughs> that really generation like, like grew up around that yeah, yeah that generation so, whole um, stand-up comedy about therapists in the 90s and stuff like i feel like there's a huge stigma with anybody like 45 and older, you know, so I Huge. can't even imagine. And, and I went to an event this week. It was really interesting. This, this topic came up several times where people were, there was some weird, like, you know, I don't know what else to call it, but like an ego piece around going to therapy. Like therapy yeah. is just for people who are really like in a bad place or lower SES or really yeah. nutty or you are quoting my friend ideas. right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's these weird ideas. And it was literally, I had somebody who was like, I know people that need therapy, but they won't go to you unless they know they can go at a time of day where they won't see anybody else. And if you could call it coaching, that would be better. Like, it was so fascinating. Like, they were sharing the story. And I'm like, this is exactly the problem. Like, it's a, uh, anyway, it's interesting. I digress in that. But for me, I haven't really found it to be a specific person. It's more like the issues we work on, they have to align. So if, it, if they come in and they want to work, so like, for instance, I do not work with um, autism spectrum disorder. So if someone came in with that issue, or I don't typically work with like young kids, even though I know family systems yeah. really well, I don't jam out with actually doing play therapy and trauma therapy for younger kiddos. So that wouldn't be a good fit for me. And so there's just, it's more about making sure it's the right fit in the issues that they want to work on. Yeah. Pam asked, I want to know if you've ever had to fire a patient because they won't take the steps to help themselves, which I personally, I mean, I, you could, I don't know if firing is the right term, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do, yeah, yeah. I do wonder, like, forgot what you I could this. call it that. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a strong word, but I, I like, I think that that's, that's an okay term as far as I understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could call it that. I don't know. Maybe this will sound kind of blunt, but I think there are different like types of therapists for different parts of your journey. And there are therapists that are able to help people when they're more in survival mode 
and unable to do certain things, even though they desperately want to, but they're just kind of stuck in a certain environment or they're really like, they're literally living in trauma. Right. And that's a specific type of therapist working with people on, on a specific part of their journey. And for me, I feel like I'm, I work with people a little bit after that part of the journey because I like to do the trauma work and I like to get down and deep into stuff. And so I, I personally don't work well with people that are either, you know, further on in the journey or like in that survival mode where they're just, whether they intend to or not, not able to do the work. Yeah. Right. Cause I don't, I think often the, that's not their intention. They're not showing up trying to like not do the work, but I have. Yeah. I've actually, um, <laughs> it's interesting. It's, it's only been a couple of people in my whole clinical experience, but there's been two people specifically that I have referred on or quote unquote fired because they were in a different part of their journey and they were not ready to do the work. Yeah. And honestly, I felt like them sitting across from me on the couch, like we were, you know, I was wasting their time too. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a sense, we weren't able to do the work that they were needing to do. Yeah. Or they weren't in the space where they were ready to do the work that I typically do. So it's just, and honestly, I think that was empowering to them versus them kind of coming in because what happens with some therapists is they don't fire those clients and they unintentionally enable that person to come in week after week and they just listen, they validate and they send them on their way. And I don't think that that actually empowers the person over time because then they learn that therapy is just where I go to vent and yeah. that's it. And they never do the healing work and they never really like face themselves. So even though it sounds harsh, yeah, I think sometimes firing or ending that journey with the person can be one of the most kind and loving things that you can do for them because it actually helps them realize like, okay, there are boundaries around this. I do have to come and do the work. I can't just like phone it in and sit on a couch and say that I'm doing therapy, but not be doing the work. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you for again, answering some questions and I'm sure Amanda and Pam and whoever else uh, are thankful as well. All right. You just listened to my interview with Joni and our Ask a Therapist session with Jenny. Well, Joni and Jenny action. Uh, Thank you to both of them for sitting down with me. Really great. Uh, Such a fun time catching up with Joni. Uh, And she had such a lot of great insight on, you know, life in general and some great advice you can follow joni on instagram at j-o-i-n-e-s-p-r-a-g-u-e joni sprague uh you can i believe find her somewhere on tiktok though i don't know what that handle is and then you can follow jenny helms on both of those platforms as well at jenny and helms you can write us any questions you have for jenny at justin's friend request at gmail.com and follow us on all social media at friend request pod and guys if you have not yet please give us a rating and a review in apple podcasts Um, those go a long way for getting our name in there and bumping the podcast up the listener boards the most selected i don't know what i'm trying to say but you do so help me out and leave a review thanks so much i will talk to you next week i love you